pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War, Eve's longest-running podcast. I am your host, NAR CEO Alexei Carr. Joined my faithful co-host, former NAR director and current FC team manager for Eve University, Zero Cool. Hello, hello. And we discuss Eve PvP and politics with a mercenary perspective. We've got some interesting poll news from the last episode. Decided to keep the poll up because we had a kind of part one of FanFest our initial reactions in part two, hearing live from some people that actually attended the event and got into all the behind the scenes. And it does seem that overall that episode has increased the enthusiasm for FanFest in general and the releases therein. Extra votes for five out of five stars since that recording. So overall, I think this FanFest extremely positively received. And if anything, the, the subsequent releases and the subsequent discussion around the event has increased people's enthusiasm, not dampened it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I remember some fair criticisms or, uh, you know, people that felt a bit left out or whatever, the initial reveal of everything. And since then, those things seem to have sort of been minimal, minimally discussed. And, well, nobody's really mentioned them for the last two weeks. And uh, I, I think it's, like you say, mostly focusing on what is coming, what is happening in the new expansion and beyond. Speaking of the expansion, we have the latest for you in our top story. A lot of information has come out about how the Havoc expansion's new pirate corruption system will be working. This is, of course, you being able to join either the Garistas or the Angel Pirates and kind of get into a faction warfare-like competition with, is it specifically faction warfare militias or just capsuleers in general that can then compete against you to complete these sites? And met, well, we're going to talk about it, have various effects throughout the system. Yeah, I think the first answer to that, Alec, is that it'll essentially be empire factions versus the pirates during the insurgency so the idea is that i'm going to detail obviously but you know the high level th pitch is that uh the pirates are trying to increase crime uh and corruption in the system and they will score uh based on their effectiveness to create crime and if the empire factions prevent that from happening by destroying the pirates, then they will gain points and they will have bonuses associated with um, law enforcement. We got a look at what exactly the bonuses will be, and they're pretty interesting. So on the, on the pirate side, what we've got is increase in loot drops and increase in pirate spawns a decrease in empire police spawns, potentially to the point that it drops entirely. Uh, reducing the advantage in the system, particularly for the system's owner. It'll be a pretty big incentive for the faction warfare people to defend. And you can get increased warp speed for your faction only. And I believe the ultimate prize for the pirates is to reduce the security status of the system or effectively turn guns off. Yeah, that's right. So the ultimate price for the pirates would be that they can actually, if it's a low-sec system anyway, um, use bubbles and bombs and even hick bubbles. Um, if it's a high-sec system that's reached maximum corruption, we're talking about suspect timers for ship aggression in high-sec rather than a criminal timer. Now, you'll still be able to get a criminal timer if you aggress a capsule, but that is essentially what um, you know the pirates will gain um aside from the sort of scoring towards the overall victory as well. Now, presumably, well, these changes will not be permanent. Have you heard anything, Zero, on how long these effects will be in place for the duration of the event? Will it have lasting effects beyond the competition? Yeah, it's not 100% clear. There seems to be two sort of um, points at which it's been mentioned. One is that once the... Uh, because part of this, right, if, if the pirates or, or the, the um, Empire factions 
help, uh, you know, their, their side towards the victory, they'll gain victory points. And if there's enough victory points gained for, say, the pirates, then they will actually gain temporary sovereignty over the system they, they started their insurgency in. And they can kind of hold that sovereignty. So this is, this is essentially stealing that system then from the empire faction that currently holds it, whether that be, say, Galente or Kaldari. And then they can hold that sovereignty for as long as they kind of feel like. But at the same time, the, the news we've had is that once they win, essentially the pirates can pack up and leave. So it does seem to be that they can at least um, maintain the effects, I would imagine, if they've got sovereignty for, you know, a, a period beyond the end of the insurgency. Um, whether that could be indefinite or not, I'm not sure. Perhaps they, they can only hold one uh, at a time. And that's, that's kind of the point, right? Of, of uh, that they, they can pack up and leave when they're ready to. Um so yeah, in terms of the other side though, you know, there's no real clear, um, talk about what happens if you get maximum suppression and then, and then, then what, you know? So yeah, I'm not sure about that side, but definitely for the pirates, it seems pirates can hold on to some of their benefits. Well, this is the information we have on the suppression side of things. This is for the faction warfare aligned players for the empires fighting against the pirates. Uh, at the first stage, they'll have an increase in pirate bounties. On the second, they'll have an increase in militia LP in the system. For the third one, uh, I believe they harm the corruption level of the opposing group because the suppressors and the corruptors, it's not a tug of war. They're both racing to the end. So some of these effects can happen simultaneously. But if you're on the suppression side, you can harm the corruption level of the opponent. Also, an increase in Edencom spawns in the system. Unclear exactly what role they'll play, but presumably they're going to be worth having around. Very interestingly, at level four, an increase in web and scram range for militia pilots only to counter the warp speed bonus for the pirates. And at the maximum, an upgrade to turrets and gate guns. So your stations, your gates will be much more secure than before, presumably putting out a vastly increased DPS given how hard it will be to unlock this upgrade. Yeah, essentially they're trying to say that if it's low sec, for example, um, you know, camping the gates for the pirates is going to be, well, not impossible, but much, much, much more difficult. Uh, and I imagine stations would suffer the same fate. It's a very interesting set of bonuses for both sides. You can definitely see bonuses that are going to be worth having for their respective factions. On the on the um, corruption side, I really like the increase in loot drop rate. I uh, love the increase in the warp speed. That'll make fights more dynamic. On the suppression side, you know the increase in bounties and LP will be really attractive for those players. They'll they'll want that. Obviously, the increase to web and scram range, very, very cool, um, should hopefully result in more uh, committing to fights because it'll be a lot harder for people to kite and run away. And the maximum upgrade for both seems definitely worth it for the, the pirates. Being able to drop the system effectively into from high to low or low to null just offers up so many possibilities catching players unaware that that, has, that that is the case and attacking them when they're not used to it, bubbling them when they didn't think that they could be, etc. Uh, and on the reverse, you know, there are quite a few choke point systems that are very inconvenient for militia players if they're camped. So being able to upgrade the guns in those systems would be extremely advantageous. Some of those are even in high sec. Valor comes to mind. Old Man Star, Tama... These are very key choke point systems that the faction warfare players have a very strong incentive to keep secure, but it's difficult with players. So potentially being able to upgrade those if they come up in the, uh, the spawn system or however they're going to work where these things appear, that would be huge. Very, very huge. I think critical to that as well, Alec, is that let's say that, um, you know, the Empire faction that controls the system mostly wants it to be more secure. They get to level five. They've got the upgraded turrets on gates and stations, which is going to, you know, 
presume, presumably, like you say, help them keep those net sort of those networks more secure. They then have the ability at that level five to to reinforce the pirate forward operating base, and it'll have one reinforcement timer. But of course, I imagine they'll have the option not to do that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some tactical use of the, you know, sort of off switch for this whole thing on both sides. You know, there are, I imagine will be times when they don't necessarily want a quick victory. They want to hold on to level five for longer. Yeah, I, I think there can definitely be a dynamic where they're focusing more on stopping the opposing group from completing their track trying to complete their own. I'm not sure that would be the case for the militia players, though. I think they would want to upgrade their guns as quickly as possible. So you might see the case where the pirates have more of a meddling dynamic and the militia are actually trying to focus on farming. It's interesting that they've said the um, most likely area you're going to see these spawns, right, is going to be on the winning side of militia. So, you know, whichever side is currently winning, you know, between the two empires, the winning side is more likely to have the insurgency. Well, that, that's obvious if, uh, even if it was just completely RNG, right? But it means that maybe, you know, the, the losing empire side have a bit of an incentive to let the pirates corrupt the systems, um, or, or, you know, not help them necessarily. Perhaps that's not, well, just, assist them then, should we say, from the sidelines in some way. Um, because ultimately that makes that system more vulnerable to to being taken over by the um, the opposite empire faction. So I, I, this is something they try to talk about in FanFest, right, where they've, they had a three-way sort of interest in, in the insurgencies. And I can see now sort of how they've done it, how it could be quite interesting, uh, different dynamics depending on where these spawns occur. Yeah, I mean, one of the effects is a loss of advantage, which directly and tremendously benefits the other side of the militia. So they would definitely, that would definitely make sense. I think the one area that might make for some strange bedfellows is presumably these pirate effects will continue even if the opposing faction takes it over. Will they want to inherit, you know, a, a system like this, or would they see advantage in protecting it, thinking that they're going to acquire the system themselves soon? And it might very well depend on where it spawns and how likely that system is to change hands in the near future. Yeah, I think one of the ideas here is that once the pirates leave and pack up and go somewhere else, it leaves that system, uh, like, like with Solve, it leaves it uh, open. So either side then can try and take the iHub, um, which it depended on how strategically valuable that is for the, you know, you could end up taking over a system deep within your opposing opponent's uh, territory that's really critical to them. And then perhaps letting the pirates win is what you want, maybe. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um I think there's going to be an unfortunate dynamic if that's very strongly the case, though, because right now the militias are not terribly, well, there are certain circumstances and times in which some of the militia vastly outnumber the other militias. And now if you have additions of large pirate factions of players coming into the mix, some of these campaigns could be extremely one-sided, which wouldn't be fun for anyone. I guess, except for the pirates, if they get to level five, then they'll have fun regardless. <laughs> but, you know, if, if Kaldari, for instance, is able to put 60-man fleets regularly in support of the pirates, and they're not fighting each other, but rather working together, even a small pirate group at that point wouldn't be challengeable by the Galente militia in most times of day. Yeah. If that happens regularly, that's unfortunate. Like you could really see this become just a PVE grind fest rather than a PVP conflict generator. Yeah, that's something I've thought about. You know, how much can we rely on the player base to uh, make the most fun out of this rather than most disc or something, right? I'm very interested to try it. Uh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt, of course, of 
joining the new shiny pirate factions, but right now I don't really see a compelling reason to be on one side of it or another. I know we were talking about this before the show zero, but to me, it's all kind of the same. Uh, there are specific places where I'd actually love stronger security guns and things like that. And then there are specific places where I'd love to be able to be more of a free hand in PVP. So which side I'd like to see win might come down to the system itself rather than any kind of uh, CCP lore affinity side of things. Yes, and I hope that is what happens, right? That we get a different story for each insurgency because of the geography. I mean, some of these are absolutely going to matter more than others. I think some I can envision players on both sides fighting tooth and nail to get, and then some people might engage for fun, but not because of any strategic value. There won't be a real throwdown on it. But if you talk about putting places like faction warfare staging systems into a null sec state where they can get bubbled constantly. Oh, I think the faction warfare players will hate that. And I think they'll fight really hard to prevent it. Nice. Related. We've got some controversy over the Zarzak system, which is effectively going to be the pirate headquarter when they don't have a insurgency forward operating base to go to potentially how they would get to said forward operating bases through some kind of ship caster or other projection mechanic. But there's a lot of controversy around Zarzak in terms of how small people feel it makes the universe because it has four gates and those gates connect to effectively four different corners of the universe. And if you go through Zarzak, you can get to the other side of that universe rather fast. At the moment, Well, sorry, when it, when it first was released, there was a restriction that it couldn't get bubbled up. However, that's going to be changing. And there's a lot of controversy over that change, over the CSM's feedback around that change, over whether or not that is the best move for Zarzak, or if it should feel more like a low-sex system. There was a Ashtarathi video about this that I, I feel like kicked kicked off a lot of the controversy. There have been a series of subsequent Reddit threads about it and posts from the CSM about the direction they would like to see things going. Zero, I'll ask you for your hot take on this um, on this controversy. Do you think there should be a controversy here? What do you think the vision for Zarzak needs to be? What do you think about some of the solutions that have been proposed? I think on the first part of the question, the answer for me is, well, I think it depends for me personally now, and I don't really mind uh, getting this slightly wrong in the wrong order or whatever, but and if this was always the intention, um, then it doesn't bother me one bit. If CCP have, have um, I, I mean, I suppose we'll never know for sure, right? If CCP have actually changed the plan, fearing the backlash of the nullsec block community then i do feel a little aggrieved only a little and i'll explain why it's only a little and the reason i would be aggrieved then is because um we could have just tried it out before we worried a little too much uh you know they could have been a you know a fortnight where we didn't have bubbles there and, and just to see what would happen and then if you know people's worst fears about projection came true then of course it could have just uh, you know been a patch and maybe introduce the same thing then um so so that that is where i would be like starting off on this issue whether they should actually be bubbles in zarzak and things like this um i'll try and touch on that briefly i think for me i hear a lot about how um the the reason that the the zarzak uh gates are a problem is because it'll prevent smaller groups from being able to do anything in the game without large null blocks getting involved. Now, I've, I mean, people say that that's currently happening. Um, personally, all I see is um, everybody trying to shoot people in pure blind and fade and Declan. I mean, that, that's my outsider's point of view. That's the, everyone seems to be focused up there. I, I'm not, I'm not hearing tales of 
epic battles being ruined by the presence of 300 marauders coming from through Zarzak. But maybe that's happening or whatever. Um, what I do feel is that, you know, now that, um, the, that people can just essentially camp Zarzak, uh, with, you know, hu- humongous numbers and prevent it from being a highway, that means that the actual small groups now can't really use it potentially if it does get camped. So, so I think if the intention was to help small groups, uh, protect them from larger groups, well, what's essentially happened is now nobody feels like using Sarzak at all. And, um, you know, people will just stage in the staging system for the pirates and they just won't bother using Sarzak. I mean, if there's no incentive to, right? I mean, maybe they'll have to go there, but if you can avoid it, which you probably can, because it sounds like the entire point of Sarzak is not to fight there, but to stage from there. Well, we could just stage in the, in the fob if you're a pirate anyway. I think there's a lot of, um, speculation about, you know, the CSM and, you know, one or two CSM members might have made comments that suggest that they wanted this to be changed. Uh, well, again, I'm not sure if that's the case. We'll probably never know if, if, if that is the case. But to finish off, um, before we talk about some of the controversy that other people have spoken about, uh, should there be bubbles there? Well, I don't see what purpose they serve. Um, one of my issues really is that you, you can't descan in Sarzak and you can't make tactical bookmarks. So protecting yourself, countering bubble camps, uh, with no local, with no descan and with no tactical grid bookmarks. Uh, well, you know, you can't really, you need, you know, you're going to have to send like nullified ships, uh, in advance and, and things and hope that you don't die and stuff. And, um, you know, is anyone going to really be bothered to camp Zarzak all the time? Perhaps not. Perhaps this will have zero effect anyway. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But, you know, if I'm going to undock from the NPC station in Zarzak and then warp to something on my own with one account, then am I really going to warp to the shipcaster or warp to a gate when I know I could just land in a huge bubble camp and the first I'd know about it was, was you know, landing on and, and loading on grid? Um yeah, so so that's my it's it's a big question. That's my kind of big answer to that. I think there are nullified ships that'll be tools for organized fleets. I think this really inconveniences the smaller player dramatically more. That said, I I don't think there's anything wrong conceptually with adding in some kind of mechanic that inhibits Zarzak um, as a super highway of sorts. Just because it has those gates doesn't mean people should be able to pass through them freely. Whether that's Bubbles or I believe Angry Mustache was one of at least one of perhaps several CSMs that suggested some kind of mechanic by which you couldn't exit Zarzak through a different gate than you came in from without either some sort of penalty of it. You literally couldn't do it or it, it gave you some kind of polarization timer or some other kind of debuff, which made it a very risky proposition to do. So you could enter Zarzak, no problem, but if you wanted to get out through one of the gates that you didn't use to come in, then it was a risky choice of some kind, or perhaps an impossible choice. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I have no qualms about Zarzak primarily being about the shipcaster there and pirates using the shipcaster to get to the fobs that they need to go to and having it be a novelty more than a utility for most other players. I think that's perfectly fine. I agree bubbles are a very crude solution to do that. It's not an insurmountable problem. You can get around them. You can scout with an interceptor. You can do things that will make it more difficult for them to catch you. All that stuff is still very true. Will people camp it? I think if there are bubbles available, yes. If there are not bubbles available, yes. The local pirates will camp these gates. It's just going to happen. If they don't camp those gates, they'll camp the low-sec side of said gates because they need something to do in between the fobs. Pirate players that decide to go into Zarzak are not going to just all of a sudden become PvE lovers and just do these forward operating base things. They're going to want to gate camp because that's what pirates do. (laughs) So I think we'll see pirating. I think we'll see raiding from the locals out through these gates into the surrounding areas. But 
I don't necessarily think we need to see the ability to go north, south, east, and west very quickly just because those gates exist. I think there's special gates in a special system, and there can be special rules to govern transit through them, particularly for resident or excuse me, non-residents. Yeah, I think that's reasonable, and it is a crude solution. I think bubbles, unless um, it just so happens that they're not a very effective tool. I mean, those gates are massive. I can't imagine trying to camp those gates even with bubbles because the bubbles are not big enough. Uh, obviously, you can cover off, you know, things you know that are coming. So if you know there's a 250 person, uh, you know, marauder fleet coming through, you know where they're coming from, you know where they're going to go. You can get the two main bubble points covered and you can be ready to bubble them. Of course, that 250 person marauder fleet is going to know you're there as well. And they're going to counter you as well. So, you know, if, if that's all that we've ended up with is that, you know, very predictable movements of very large fleets are now not as easy, then fine. That's great. Um, if, however, I try and take, you know, six people in frigates, into Zazak for a bit of fun or some sort of pirate stuff, and I can't because I just constantly get bubble camped. Then that's I'm not so keen on the solution. Then so, uh, but I would just, to be honest, I just work around it. I mean, it doesn't bother me that much. Um, I appreciate the controversy uh, is there, and I know why. And I think that some of the criticisms are very valid. Uh, I just think that we're also an ingenious group of people that will just find a way around this and uh you know maybe zazak won't be used um in the way that we thought it would be with six mil and 20 minutes you could set up full bubbles from the other gates and the station on any given gate in zarzak it wouldn't be difficult to set up the camp i think maintaining it would be hard considering the class of fleets that'll probably move through it at a given point you can still do it. You're um, thinking of anchorable bubbles then? Yeah, yeah. So they've. Uh, this is one of the things I just wanted to clarify, really. So according to the Hobo Leaks or whatever, um, it looks like anchorable bubbles are going to be fine to use in Zarzak then. Well, that's how I... I mean, I could be wrong, but that's how I interpreted it when they said the bubbles yeah. were going to be legal. I figured that meant anchoring bubbles. They could have some kind of prohibition against players anchoring any of those types of structures and then it would be down to just kick and dictor bubbles which would be again not impossible but considerably more difficult to maintain much more expensive much more risky require a much larger group of players to do that feels more akin to what i thought when i, I first found the concept of zazak interesting I think there's also the thematic thing here of, you know, if the pirates are jumping out and about in these forward operating bases trying to lower security penalties down to the point where they can use bubbles in these systems that wouldn't normally be able to use them, surely their headquarters, you'd be able to use bubbles as well. <laughs> that, that crossed my mind and is part of the reason I was like, okay, whatever, right? Because it, it would be, I think, a bit silly of me, given my kind of thoughts about the whole Zazak thing anyway, to be overly concerned about the rules in Zazak. Yeah. I mean, I think you could easily have a no MTUs, no depots, no anchorable bubbles, no anchorable cans, basically no player anchoring of any kind. But bubbles are still available. Sure. Whatever. I, I think to your point, the gates are so enormous, it'd be really difficult for you to... You would need... You need five players in Hicks plus players to kill whatever lands. And then those Hicks will be effed if a large fleet comes in. I don't think a lot of players would be willing to do that for an extended period of time. You might get some alliances to do it for the novelty, but I don't think it would be a day-to-day -day occurrence in Zarzak. Just too infeasible, too risky, too expensive. And for what? On the off chance you get people coming to your gate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, again, possible for certain alliances like a goon swarm, they could hell camp it. But I think it would be a temporary special event if it happens at all. And that that's fine by me. Yeah, I can live with it. 
I, I, I mean, I, again, I think some of the, some of the solutions put forth by the, um, by the CSM that they've publicly posted about sound better. In fact, I think you might want to do them whether or not bubbles are allowed in the system regardless, because they just seem like better mechanics that really don't have anything to do with bubbles and could coexist with bubbles being there just fine. Um, I, I think some of these suggestions are coming from NullSec players. So Ashtarasi's premise that the NullSec players are somehow trying to screw Zarzak somehow. Uh, I don't necessarily see that from what's been posted about. I think when I saw the video, I thought, well, Ashtarasi really wants to join in and become pirate, right? And, and is setting up a corp and things to be doing that. Um, so, uh, you know, has been quite excited over the last few weeks about that and planning to, you know, go headfirst into being the pirate and using Zazak. So I think m- my reaction to that, watching that, was that Ashrothy was really frustrated with um, the, the kind of plans being scuppered in some ways, potentially. Uh, and I thought that, yeah, that was where the frustration came from, really. That it was more like, oh, you you darn spoil sports. <laughs> you darn spoil sports. Yes, that's, I think that phrase encapsulates what I'm trying to uh, express here beautifully. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. It's another quote for the episode, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, uh, the other thing I, that I worried about, right, was that what we're effectively doing then is saying to people like Ashtaroth, you want to engage in the pirate stuff. Well, don't bother with Zarzak then, just stage in the fob. And in fact, interestingly, um, one of the features that they announced was that, you know, high sec, low sec players will get a bit of an advanced warning about which system is insurgency is going to come in and um they're going to call it a forecasting state so so they'll have notice both the locals who might want to you know get up pack up and run but also the um the pirates if they want to go and forward stage in systems that will probably have you know npc stations either in the system or, or next door so you know players might just not bother with Zazak if it becomes um you know hell camped Presumably, they. I, I guess the intention is okay. We've announced that the fob is going to be in X system, and people will go from Zarzak to X using the shipcaster, and that's how they will stage their stuff. But that is, of course, not necessary, particularly if the pirate factions are getting spawns in roughly the same area, like say the Galenti Kaldari war zone. They could easily stage in a central system in that war zone. Doesn't have, to, doesn't have anything to do with Zarzak. They don't want to. Alec, forgive my uh, memory being not brilliant, but and I promise I did know the answer to this. You know, a year ago and six months ago as well. If you're Galente uh, and you and and Kaldari own the system next door, um, can you dock in the NPC station there? You can dock in what's in the front lines, so the front lines will share a border with each other, but you can't dock one jump beyond that. So the there's two other types of system, right? Rearguard and Command Operations. And those if if they don't belong to your side, you cannot dock in those. Correct. And you don't get tether from citadels either. So I wonder what you know when the pirates Imagine that the pirates have forecasting and they know where, well, they can go and stage ships, ships in the NPC station. Will, will there be a point where they cannot dock in those stations? Because, you know, why would um, Galente or Caldari or whatever allow pirates to dock in the NPC stations? Yeah, dock in your fob, bro. Come over here. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting to see. Uh, they did have a mass test. It was players' first chance to get a hold of these sites. Did you have the chance to attend, Zero? No, this one passed me by. I I must have been... I've been playing the game actively, and I just didn't know this was happening. So, And I watched re- you know, I watched videos, and I listened to podcasts, and I had no idea. So they're just one of those things that passed me by. 
Well, we had a new noir joinee, Arcadis Incura, who's a faction warfare veteran for Galenti Militia. He's recently joined up with Noir. He did attend and did a quick write-up for us. Uh, let's see. Uh, multiple rats from both sides spawn inside the pirate plex. It's not a single rat like you would see in the current faction warfare mechanics. Basically four to five of each. Uh, you will definitely kill you. It will definitely kill you if you're just AFKing because things will constantly spawn and they're pretty nasty. Well, I, nasty to the things you would AFK in, I would say. I don't think they're going to be daunting for players to actually fight in a well-fit ship or well-fit fleet of ships. Um, but multiple enemy rats spawn to contest the plex against you. Uh, each rat that spawns has a chance of becoming a tackling rat, as far as they could tell. So we will point players that they aggress. This, of course, creates a lot of PvP opportunities because it holds ships in plexes longer. Even if they want to run away, they can't necessarily. It seems to apply to all the rats, including the larger ones like battle cruisers and up. Uh, there is a downside, of course, that no rats will spawn. As far as Arcadis could tell, it seemed fairly random. But you can, he describes, quote, rolling the rats, i.e. killing a whole bunch of them, waiting till more spawn that have points, killing the ones without points, etc. Until you finally do get friendly rats in your complex with points, as many as you like. The overall said it was a much better experience than the current faction warfare plexing system. Much more engaging, much more enjoyable, much more fun from a PvP perspective as well. The militia pilots gained LP from killing the rats and from capturing the plexes. And most of the time, it didn't seem to differ from plex mechanics in any other way, aside from what I described. And that's our frontline report from Arcadis. Excellent. Because the announcement that uh, CCP Aurora did said the pirates, when they raid, you know, in the insurgency, when they raid, they would raid corporate outposts and mining fleets. And that was just like a, you know, sort of an introductory sentence that was going on, right? And then it went on to describe in detail what the bonuses and stuff would be. But maybe those plexes then, it, would that be, could that be the corporate outpost? Or is that something else? Well, corporate outpost, I would understand to be citadels, no? It sounds like a, a small citadel, right? Yeah. Um And then, you know, mining fleets, well, are they alluding to, you know, if you kill people that are mining in the system, you get LP or bonus point stuff, you know? Um, or do they mean that, you know, there will actually be some sort of mining fleet NPC site to, to engage with an Osho? Well, that's a good question. Because there are, of course, players, citadels that have mining fields and miners that could be on them. But there are also NPC mining fleets that do spawn organically in asteroid belts and other places in systems. It could be talking about either or both. Yeah, it sounds... I mean, it wouldn't have been in Aurora's presentation if it wasn't something, right? Um, it's intriguing. I just a little detail that I thought, okay, who knows what that is alluded to? It could be an innocent reference to killing a venture in, you know, a player-owned venture in a, in a belt, and that'll help, you know, towards the points. But hmm, I don't know. If it's the NPC mining fleets, it would have to add additional mechanics around those to make them tied into this overall system. Right now, they don't really affect much. If anything, players would be happy to see them blown up because they cannibalize some of the ore there, and they do drop that ore if they're killed. I would presume if it's a pirate incursion, something non-pirates would want to stop. They're going to have to make it feel a little more painful for those players in some way. Oh, I, I hope it's player mining fleets. I hope they have some kind of venture detection system. <laughs> <laughs> there's a venture in this build every five minutes there's a one in 100 chance that it's going to get spawned on and then eventually it does too much to hope for perhaps but that would be pretty cool i do love the description there though of the the site that 
you know, was talked about there because I like the idea of something engaging when it comes to shooting the rats. You know, I, I suppose I'm one of those strange people that kind of enjoys manually piloting at the correct range away from the rats and, you know, messing about. I just, you know, usually for the, uh, the daily bonuses you get, like for skill points, if you got, you know, lucky enough to get killed 25 NPCs, get ridiculous amount of skill points thing. And great, you know, I'll, I'll do that and I'll have a bit of fun trying to be at the exact proper range and be aligned out and all those things just for practice with, you know, um, different ships and, uh, you know, hotkeys and stuff as well. So the, the fact that there might be sites where you really can, um, you know, control what's going on there and, uh, make choices and, it sounds it sounds quite engaging. It, at least compare it to you know a level one um, mission uh, in Isaac, right? I mean, I'm I'm not trying to say that it's going to be this amazing you know experience and everyone's going to like be dying to go and do it, but uh, it does sound like they've made an effort there. Yeah, it's an, it's a neat innovation on top of the existing faction warfare system, which has been pretty successful for them so far. I think they're making it the next level of that content feels riskier and more impactful. So you get that risk-reward dynamic going, which is a classic EVE staple. But uh, speaking of faction warfare, Noir has been quite busy. We have been contracted to help defend Oiks. It is the frontline system on the furthest northwest of the war zone. It's in Placid. It is one of the most hotly contested systems in the war zone and has been for a long time, along with its Kaldari-held counterpart, Iha. This is a rather immutable border. Um, Oix has fallen occasionally, Iha has fallen occasionally, but for the most part, these two systems have been static, and they are really, really hot-button PvP sites. Just absolutely relentless grinds, meat grinders. Wakes in particular is usually on the receiving end of it. It is commonly pretty close to being vulnerable at any given point in time, whereas EHA tends to be near zero in terms of its contest percentage. For various reasons, the defenders of Oiks needed to take breaks or were otherwise relocated to different areas of the war zone, and there was some concern that Oiks might fall, which would put key staging systems for the Galenti Militia vulnerable. We were hired to ensure that didn't happen. So we relocated from our position normally in the southern eastern part of the war zone to basically the other end of it and got to work. Um, It was some of the hardest faction warfare fighting we've seen in a long time. The residents up there, the Kaldari guys up there, are extremely practiced, battle-hardened, very disciplined, skilled multi-boxers, etc. Pretty much the toughest opponents you can you can find in faction warfare, and they're really, really active, or, or basically around the clock. There were definitely multiple time zones we could not compete with them with, but for the ones that we could, we fought pretty hard. The efficiency rating was about fifty-seven percent at last check, just for that specific system. We had a secondary objective, which included piling up kills in the surrounding front lines, and we did quite well there. But just to give you an idea of how much of a meat grinder it is, we were basically trading one for one slightly in our advantage in that uh, Oix system. Oix itself's capture percentage, we were able to make gains in certain time zones, but then that would get rolled back in other time zones, and it was gradually kind of going Kaldari's way for a while until about last weekend when finally the Kaldari defense broke. They had a couple key players who needed to take breaks from EVE, that's what we understand, and that lack of multi-boxing support, the lack of FCing support, meant that the defense was untenable. And between us and the Sedition Alliance, we were able to push Oiks dramatically down from where we took it over it was in the 80s i believe we were able to stabilize it in the 60s but after that break of the defense we were able to get it down into the low 20s dramatic over the course of a couple of days it was pretty dramatic 
we're still engaged in this contract. We will be there for at least a little bit longer, and we're now trying to pivot onto more of an offensive posture into EHA to put a little pressure on Calmel while they're on the back foot. But overall, it's been an interesting faction warfare campaign. It's, uh, it's definitely pushed us to have to be a little tighter running faction warfare. It can get very easy to get complacent because you're running in relatively cheap ships and you're doing the same plexes over and over and over again. You can stop checking D-scan very often. You can decide to take fights that maybe you probably shouldn't. Uh, you're more willing to take the fight that's likely bait or you haven't checked if it's bait or not because you just want to do anything other than flex. <laughs> so there's been a lot of that going on, uh, and especially when you're doing it for several weeks at a time. It can get hard to maintain that discipline. But it's been a good experience for us in general. How long uh, did you say you'd, you'd been at this now? We kicked things off October 1st. Wow, yeah, that's, that's a long one. Yeah, so it's been about three weeks as of this recording, and we're still going. Um, certain corps in the Alliance have been active in other parts of the war zone to make sure that we're keeping pressure up on other key strategic systems, but Noir and the bulk of the Alliance have been up in OIX. I'm just interested in, you know, you're, you're out there, you're fleeted up, you're plexing systems, right? Do the opposition in this case, where it's quite a hotly contested, you know, system, do they come and try and push you off the sites or are they more likely to be trying to take the other sites that are open or or something else it can vary depending on who you're fighting certainly in the southeast where we're normally active the usual thing they'll do is try to run other sites so the strategy that we found being very effective is take our fleet into the largest available site say it's a large or a medium complete it while forcing them to run the smaller sites and disrupting them once we complete the big one or just let them have a quick small one, but we win the overall percentage trade. And then kind of dare them to, to come fight us in the bigger one if they want to. Up north, we found it to be much more much higher pressure. They were much more likely to come in and try to contest any plex being run under any circumstances rather than concede one or two of the larger plexes and then run to a smaller plex with a smaller ship. They would just, didn't didn't matter what you were running, they would be able to reship and go break them, essentially. The reship game in Oix was very, very strong. You could tell that they had been fighting there for a long time and they had a lot of ships and doctrines staged there. Incredible flexibility. So whatever you brought, they would see what that was and come up with a counter and roll that into you very quickly, let's say within five minutes or so most times. And I know you get LP when you kill an opposing militia ship, right? But does it contribute to the score of the system? It does not. Only completing the faction warfare plexes contributes to the score. Killing another ship just contributes to your total LP pool. And it's a very tiny percentage of the value of what you've killed. I mean, you might get... Anything from a couple dozen, probably more likely a hundred to the low thousands. I think the biggest one I can remember off the top of my head was about 5,000. Yeah, yeah. It's just that with this pirate thing, you know, it, it does sound like maybe Empire killing pirates will possibly contribute towards their score, which uh, sounds interesting. Um, so sound. it really is gone. No, I, I wish the system was kind of like that. Um, I think the difficulty is it would absolutely be gamed almost immediately. Uh, of course, with careful. people, right? Yeah, so you could sabotage or, or uh, you could have alts in the opposing side yes. and things. Yeah, and then they'll they'll run into that same problem with the pirate one. Um, it might very well be pirates refers to just pirate F and, excuse me, pirate NPCs rather than pirate players. But if they could find a small way to work that in where killing players gives you that tangible reward for the overall system control, I think that's a very cool idea for EVE in general. If you can find a way to balance it and make it a little less corruptible from the, the, the players that are more inclined to just abuse the rules or run multiple characters. And you could, I mean, you could easily imagine just getting a whole bunch of destroyers and just feeding them into your fleet over and over and over again to get probably a lot more value than those ships. 
that's a difficult problem to design around. Yeah, and on the flip side, I think if you say we're a small solve-folding entity in a dark and quiet corner of Nullsec somewhere, if defending your space by killing people that come to your systems to mess about could help you um, defend your solve, uh, then that would be a nice way of recognizing those efforts uh, versus just docking up and waiting for people to come and shoot your structures kind of thing. And I appreciate that um, you know there are little bits of that with the pirate bounty reward modifier thing, but that's not really um, what I'm talking about, right? I'm, I'm thinking more like, you know, recognizing I, I know that again like you, you know you can increase the military index but you have to shoot rats you know as far as i know killing other players has no effect on that which is a bit off kilter really yeah that's a little weird and considering you could farm npcs for free or farm even your own player ships if you wanted to it doesn't really matter if the npcs are going to be freely available couldn't you just kill the same equivalent number of npcs and save yourself some money. I definitely think there's some freedom to design there. Would you rather kill 50 BS rats worth a million isca pop or kill 50 of your own destroyers where it costs you a millipop? Most players would probably do the one that makes them the money at the same time. Yeah, but it would become pretty obvious as well if you were uh, increasing your solve defensibility by you know, slaughtering 50 destroyers of, from your, uh, your pretend opposition in your old corp or whatever. I think, um, you know, there's a shame <laughs> attached to such things as well. That yeah. might, uh, yeah, the court of public opinion. Well, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to a major milestone for the MPSI community and Kiakte personally, who have seen this fleet shrink wrapped, which is a regularly occurring NPSI fleet centered around Super, super small ships in large quantities doing incredible amounts of damage just had their 250th op. That is massive. 250 shrink rats. And they did over 30 billion isk in damage over the course of a couple hours. Wow. For a fleet that mostly consisted of raptors and a handful of support ships, that is quite the get. Absolutely. The biggest thing that I saw them take down, I missed it by like three jumps. I was racing to try to get on this kill. Was a extremely, extremely well-fit Naglfar, which I think accounts for nearly half of the value that they killed that day. Three jumps, zero. Oh, terrible. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, right? But in all the time I've been playing EVE, I've never seen one of um, Kiakte's shrink wrap fleets pass by me you know i've seen various other uh streamers who stream and fc pass me by many times never even though i i did the alliance tournament with kiakte right never have i have i seen them in space it's something i would love to see one day you know sort of x amount of raptors just uh appear and um to fight it someday yeah yeah i mean it'd be so cool yeah it's, it's a fun thing to, to dangle with but I was happy enough to be able to fly in it for a little over 30 minutes. Fortunately, something came up and I wasn't able to sit down for like a full hour and a half like I wanted to with it. But it was still a lot of fun. You could tell everyone was having a good time. They were doing space bingo as they're moving through any of Kiakti's common catchphrases that he uses on these FCing. People were marking them down. They could win Plex for a completed bingo card. It was very cool, very fun. If you if you just love NPSI in general, Fun Inc. is a great place to be. But yeah, check out the Fun Inc. Discord. You'll get an absolute ton of pings for NPSI fleets there. Not just shrink wrapped, but other events as well. Tremendous community that they've built over there. One of the best NPSI offerings in the game. And congratulations for that epic milestone, Kyak. It might be the um, even better with friends public chat channel. E-B-W-F space public. That does sound right. But that is not the only player-related initiative that we have an update for. The other side of Discord, the Oz, has posted some project updates from folks that have gotten investments in the Oz tank. One of them was the Bounty Hunting Project by Feruzen. This had been struggling 
the last time an update was posted because there wasn't a lot of interest and people were finding it very difficult and not very rewarding to do the bounty hunting itself, which is a common reason that it's not done in the game and the very reason that Noir doesn't do it. Also, it's it's much more of a personal activity than a corporate activity. However, he's posted a new update and by injecting some of the ISK that he's gotten from his investment to kind of front load and make a little more sweet some of these bounty hunting contracts. There have been a lot more contracts taken up and a lot of kills from the bounty hunters themselves, including some familiar names in the top bounty hunters list. Cucumber Roll and Antheso Catalane, Froth from Noir. I was very pleasantly surprised to see them in that list. Yes, I recognize Cucumber Roll as well from Eve University before Noir. I believe they were on our, um, one of our Alliance Chairman teams, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, that would have been when... Um, no, they were in Eve Uni at the time, I think. I was. It was when uh, uh, Nano Currency were in the Alliance, right? Yes. That's right. The year of the Laylapse. <laughs> well, congratulations to the Poos Moose, who has secured himself 1.13 billion ISK in bounties the most successful bounty hunter so far. I believe that is over the course of, it couldn't be more than two months, probably between a month and two months. It's not a bad haul. I imagine it was a lot of fun, right? I mean, I imagine that ISK per hour wise, this is not a lucrative activity. This is more of a fun per hour kind of activity. Well, actually, you know, I guess it would depend on the bounties themselves, whether it's high sec or null sec or low sec. High sec, you would surely be have a lot of expenses to suicide gank them. Low sec, null sec, probably very hard to catch them because those players would be on their guard. So either way you cut it, it's going to be a significant investment either of money or time to try to catch these players. I mean, it's an it's a lovely idea, right? When I first started playing Eve, I I liked the idea of bounties and I remember that if you killed people that had a bounty on them, you got a sort of percentage in your wallet of the ship and the bounty cost. Um, I forget the details. Took a break from the game, came back, it was gone. That feature was uh, not going to work out, apparently. This is the player-run version of that. It's, it's great that it's happening, but listening to that pitch, I remember thinking there was a reason why I don't do bounty hunting, and it was because it's just very difficult um to do and make profitable <laughs> we've tried it way way early at the, like the start of the corp one or two of them but yeah just very clearly discovered it wasn't worth it but you know for out there changing the math on that it becomes worth it if you give people enough money <laughs> there's not a lot of things i do in this game for money right the majority of the time i play this game I'm not trying to make ISK. I'm trying to have fun. So for me, this is kind of fun. Like I can imagine joining that group, listening to people's tales of successes and failures and joining in, in joining in with my own, right? I think that would be a cool thing, especially if you record the successes and the failures and share those. That I mean, it's all, all around good fun. All right. Uh, my host highlights. I've had a couple interesting ones. I think the one I'm going to roll with is the Tormentor Brawl that we had recently. I forget if I've already talked about it on a show, whether it was this show or another one that I was guesting on. But we didn't get the fights that we were looking for with a larger ship comp. So I was like, all right, well, we're down in Hadley's. I think we're down there for an unrelated thing. We want to go back up to the contract area. Let's go in our Tormentor Doctrine so we can move some spare Tormentors up to the contract area. And within minutes, we found fights. It was just incredible. We went from like totally dry, desert-like PvP hunting experience to all of a sudden we were drowning in targets. Couldn't get enough. Uh, we had a lot of fights versus cruisers and battle cruisers. Some of them were pretty stiff, but through a combination of great logi pilots and some tracking disruptors, we were able to come out on top, even against these larger ships, and bring home a fair bit of kills. I think we killed about 500 million in the 20 minutes after switching. 
It was ridiculous. I don't think we made it two jumps before we got into fights. So that was a lot of fun. Just reminded me how much fun these small forget fleets are. I'd love to be running more of them. People constantly underestimate them because not only is it a tech one frigate fleet, but it's a tech one frigate you don't commonly see. And I just love the idea of little flying shrimps floating around in space, hacking people to death. <laughs> with, with that teeth bearing grin. Yeah, yeah. So there, I mean, it is, it takes us a long time to kill a battlecruiser. Don't get me wrong. I, I think fighting any fleet with logistics would be extremely difficult, but. Logistics are not common in faction warfare, so the chance that you're going to run into folks you can eventually wear down either by getting through their local tank charges or just grinding those hit points down eventually is pretty high, actually. Especially if you can um, not worry too much about gate guns because perhaps your targets are the op- opposing militia or something, right? I mean, that's usually where frigates kind of struggle i think in in low sack is around gates and things yeah no gate guns for the militias but we didn't we got some pirate targets and they did take gate guns and it definitely does help <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know if we're thinking about upgrading those gate guns through the suppression system i think it makes those frigate fleets even that much more viable very interesting stuff i i don't know when i'm going to take my next one out but it's fresh in my mind how much fun it was. I think the next time I get like eight pilots together, instead of going with cruisers or battle cruisers, maybe we just go frigates instead. Just see what comes of it. Zero? Yeah, I've done a lot of um, different things in the game. But to be honest, as much as I would love to kind of mention all of those, there's, there's quite a few, probably too many. I would rather speak about the thing I'm most pleased about in the last fortnight i've been listening to the empires of eve volume 2 audiobook that came out to the general public um very recently uh i loved the first one it's it's voiced by the author andrew groen if people haven't heard it i imagine most of our listeners would have heard it and i was looking forward to the second volume for as long as, you know, I knew it existed, which is about a year ago, actually. I, I remember a Reddit post or something saying backers for the or the book had been given. So the Kickstarter backers that originally backed it have been given the audiobook, and it would be coming to the general public in the future. So I would be checking very regularly and always disappointed. And then it was announced in FanFest by Andrew Groen that it was going to come out. It has, I haven't heard it, I haven't listened to it all yet. I think I've got four hours left. Really interesting uh, to listen. More um, more granular around the politics of uh, NullSec. Um, less about, you know, subterfuge and, and the stuff from the first one. So uh, a, a different listen, a different kind of tale but one that I have enjoyed thoroughly nonetheless. And I usually listen to it in the car or, um, you know, sometimes when I'm getting ready in the morning and, and things like that for work. So yeah, it's just kept me company. It's been really good. So definitely want to shout that out. And um, I, I don't know where you can get it all together, but I should I'll just mention that, you know, it, it's definitely available on Audible. Um, and uh, I imagine other audio book uh, providers do exist. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw the Audible link into the show notes for anyone that's interested. I highly support Andrew Grown. He's done excellent research on all these books. Empires of Eve Volume 1 is a must-own for every Eve player and potentially any Eve player's family where you want to have them understand what this whole thing is and why you care about it so much. Volume 2, I think, got a little more niche in some ways. But if you liked Volume 1, you should pick it up. Yeah. If you if you aren't sure that you like it, buy volume one anyway, because chances are you will like it. I also want to give some shout outs and plugs to our Golden Elite supporters on Patreon, Fade Atreides, Kestrel Swainson, Crav, Mark Havoc, Tang Tengu, and Tweak. Longtime supporters, the OGs supporting this show. Thank you so much, guys. I also want to give a shout out to Vate. He's one of our EUTZ players. He is just one of the nicest Eve players I've ever met. 
so generous with his time and pretty much every aspect of his personality. Like if you need something or you mentioned offhand, you're trying to do something or something needs to be done or you're struggling with something. He's the first guy to offer the solution, to offer the help, whether that's doing it for you or moral support or how to do it. And he's just very selfless and I really like him. Doesn't get enough praise. So thank you, Vate, for everything that you do for our players in that time zone and everything that you've done for me. That's lovely. Awesome. For me, um, I definitely got to give a shout out to Laura Kapinski, who used to run Eve University. And I've mentioned this recently, so sorry for anyone who's sharing this for the fourth time or whatever. But I used to run Eve University, uh, went away to NullSec, came back recently to help um, fix some issues going on with the FC team. And um, now that that job is done, as planned, Laura has moved on. And so, well, everyone in the FC team and Eve Uni is, you know, sort of grateful for the work that's been done and wishes her all the best going forward. Um, yeah, and uh, a shout out to the rest of that that group as well, the FC team there in Eve Uni. Uh, been really turning up the volume on the content generation uh, for the Eve Uni members, and I love to see it at a time when Eve has more players in it regularly on a regular basis. I should say uh, pre patches than I have ever known uh, in my entire time of playing the game. Uh, you know, I've seen spikes in player numbers after patches that, that can compete with what I've seen recently, but this is pre patch, and we haven't had a patch since Viridian. So I think this this is really positive, and just love to have. Like I, I regularly now engage with people who have just picked up the game. Uh, for the first time in, in the last week or two. Um, some players have been in the game a month, two months, and everyone is just so excited uh, by the game. And it's just lovely to be around those people. So having more of those people coming through, potentially because of the higher play numbers, that would suggest, you know, maybe there's newer players coming through, or it could be returning players that have played before. Um, it's all welcome anyway, right? Even the returning players come to Eve Union and become reacquainted with the game and things like Poshven and the like that have existed since they left. Yeah, it's just been all around really good. Uh, so yeah, a shout out to everyone I've been chatting to over the last fortnight. It's been a lot of fun. Well, speaking of those new players, I ran into quite a few myself lately. Uh, I think we might be in one of the most sustained periods of growth for Eve in like a decade. So this is some exciting times. I imagine it's only going to get better as the patch drops later. Um, but to those new players... Nor Academy, now recruiting, particularly in the U.S. time zone. If you want to hang out with us, learn how to become a better EVE player, a better PvPer, potentially learn how to command fleets yourself someday, come check us out. We've got our in-game channel, Cafe Nor Dot. You can find a link to our Discord there with recruitment instructions and plenty of players who are happy to answer any and all of your questions. We love new players. Uh, I would describe the people like Nor Academy is not the place you go to learn Eve and to figure out if you like it. It's the place you go when you figured out that you love Eve and you want to become the best at it. That's Nor Academy for you, and we're happy to help. Check out highlights of this show and other YouTube content at youtube.com slash C slash Alexei of K. I highly recommend my playlists. I've got some great PvP videos curated for you guys there. Also, check out declarationsofword.com itself for subscribing to the show. We've got polls there for all these episodes. The polls are usually covered on the next episode, so cast your vote. Let your opinion be heard. And wherever you are and whoever you're flying with, good hunting, listeners. <laughs>